Let's open with a word of prayer. Almighty God, how amazing it is that we have this image of, of our mothers bringing us up when we were small. And how we learn things from our mothers and of course our dads as well that we just don't understand and this is such a perfect image of you and the way that you care for us heavenly father we open our our bibles again once again to look at isaiah and Isaiah has some great examples here. And open our hearts so that we can hear the words of Isaiah and what he has to teach us about you and about your son and about the Holy Spirit on this special day. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so we're finishing Isaiah 57 verses 14 to 21. I know that's only seven verses, right? You're thinking, wow, Al's really slack and he's only doing seven verses today. Um, Isaiah brings God's words of comfort for the meek in spirit. And so this is a short message, but the message reaches far and its importance to us is very great. The actual passage is short, but there's this really huge piece in the middle and in this is going to be super cool because it happens on Mother's Day. And, and you will get to see how this all fits to, together. So let's go ahead and start. Um, verse 14. Comfort for the contrite. And it shall be said, build up, build up, prepare the way. Remove every obstruction from my people's way. And the instant I read that, there, there was this passage that immediately leapt to mind. And my Bible didn't have that cross-reference immediately. But I, I had to go dig it up. And so you get it right here. And um, Isaiah is giving us the words for the coming of God's kingdom. It reminds me of John the Baptist's message, right? So Matthew 3, 1 through 3. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So that's Matthew 3, 1 through 3. And the Apostle Matthew, right here, is pointing us back to Isaiah again. And it's Isaiah 40, verse 3. And I'm, I'm not going to repeat that for you because it's exactly what Matthew said right there. And uh, here, and again, here again in Isaiah 57, 14 is the call for the coming kingdom of God. And who is God preparing the kingdom for? And this is going to ring some bells right away. So we're going to go on to verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, 
to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So here the Lord says he holds those of lowly spirit in high regard. Now there are many great examples of this in the Bible. Those of meek and low spirit who are highly regarded by God. But today I'm going to choose two very specific examples to talk about. And both of these examples are new mothers. So Luke 1, 5 to 25. Luke 1, 5 to 25. And this entire passage closes with a very, very interesting thing to say about this particular new mother. The birth of John the Baptist foretold. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now keep in mind here, these two people are walking uprightly before God. At the end of the 400 years of silence, these two people are, it's not just following the law. They are in love with the law. They are in love with who God is. And that is the thing that drives them to follow after God. So going back to Luke, continuing on. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. 
and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And here's the closing piece. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among the people. So you have the example of Elizabeth, who was a very, she's not, God does this amazing thing for her, right? She's not running around blabbing about, look at me. She hides herself for five months. So I brought you the first example of a new mom. You can imagine who the second example is. Back to Luke 1, 26 through 45. The birth of Jesus foretold. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, and this is great, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Continuing on, Mary visits Elizabeth. And in those days, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her 
from the Lord. You have to imagine these two women, two more unlikely women to be new mothers. One who was not married yet, and one who was beyond the years of childbearing. And both of them are about to become new mothers. And both of them had the meekness of heart that God was speaking of. In these two examples, the Lord gives us a glimpse of the contrite spirit. At this moment, the two women exemplify the very meekness of self that makes them great in the eyes of God. We all know where this story goes. And yet, there remains the magnificence of their spirit, of what God intends, what the Lord plans, and what the Lord works out here. And the Lord does this through these two women and their low positions and the low esteem that they hold themselves in. In John 19, 25 to 27. John 19, 25 to 27. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's about to die. He knows this is coming. And he knows why he is there. That he is carrying the sins of all of God's people on his shoulders while he is hanging there on the cross. And he looks down. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her into his own home. Now we know John was this disciple. John never refers to himself in his entire gospel. That's the way we know John writes it because he mentions every other name, but he does not mention himself. Again, you have that meekness of spirit that God is specifically looking for. And once again, you have a reminder here of the special relationship between sons and their mothers. We return to Isaiah 57, verses 16 and 17. Verses 16 and 17. And Isaiah tells us, these are the words from God, For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the Spirit would grow faint before me and the breath of life that I made. Because of the iniquity of this unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him, I hid my face and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. Here it opens almost as though God grows weary of the struggle. 
But then God reveals that it is not he that grows weary, but it is that we grow weary. The people of God grow weary. God is angry with the iniquity of man and of the unjust gain over the weak and the innocent. And for this, God turns away. And the evil continue to backslide and follow the way of their own evil hearts. Continuing on, verses 18 and 19. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. Here in verses 18 and 19, God brings peace and comfort to his people, far and near, even to those surrounded by evil. And God promises healing. But this passage closes with a final warning in verses 20 and 21. Verse 20. Verse 20. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. The evil are only concerned for their own gain. They are tossed about in the chaos of the wind, whipped by the seas. The seas cannot be quiet. The waters roil, and the muck and the mud and the grit are brought up. And in verse 21, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. So for those who oppose the Lord, there is no peace. This closes our passage. It's Mother's Day. Again, we have the example of Elizabeth and of Mary. And what they did and how they viewed themselves and each saw herself as carrying out special instructions from God, knowing they were chosen for something very, very special. And they did so without complaint or thought for themselves. And God does something incredibly wonderful and beautiful with both of them. And that is why they are remembered the way they are. God brings us something new. How will we know it's a new thing? How will we recognize it? The Lord makes straight the ways of the righteous. God is bringing in the outsiders. Not just even the Samaritans, but even those who are not of the faith at all. He brings in the Romans. We have the example, four examples in the New Testament, in the Bible, of Roman centurions. Every example of Roman centurions in here, in the Bible, is a positive example of faith. The faith of the centurions in who Jesus is. All four Roman centurions in the New Testament. Go look it up. All four Roman centurions are just and righteous men who believe in Jesus. Mary and Elizabeth are the same. We know that Mary loses her way partway through. 
There's also an example where Mary makes a demand of Jesus even before his time. And he does it anyway because it's his mom. And she knows that he, there's something special about him because of the things he's been doing. I can only imagine what it was like growing up in his household. Can you imagine being one of his brothers? Don't tell Jesus, he'll tell mom, right? I mean, imagine what it was like. We think that Jesus, it's mentioned a couple of times, Jesus was actually learning from his dad what the trade was. And it's possible that Joseph was a stonecutter, not a carpenter. It, um, the word is technon, literally. It's, it's the word we get technology from. The, the title that Joseph had was technon. He was a worker with his hands. God brings something new. God brings in the outsiders. All the nations of the earth will come to God's mountain. And remember, God is always wholly just. God is the only one who is wholly faithful. God knows what the great problem is, the problem that exists between all of us and where he lives. And still he wants us, all of us, in our broken state. He wants us. He loves us. He loves us so much, he sends his son to die for us. And because of that, Jesus solves the problem of sin. God only knows the way that sin can be atoned for, for the redemption of God's people, for the salvation of God's people. No one can pay for their own sins, yet God knows the one who can pay for all sins. And the only one who can do that is Jesus. God knows which servant is just and true and stands in the gap for the sins of all of God's people. Jesus. Jesus is the one, the servant, the crown prince, the king, not created, not made, forever eternal. closing thought. I go back to Mary. Luke 1, 46 and 47. Oh, 46 through 48, excuse me. Luke 1, 46 through 48. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked upon the humble estate of his servant." For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Jesus is the one that comes, the servant, the Son of God, the eternal King, not created, not made, and forever sovereign. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how amazing are these words of Isaiah and the places that Isaiah is pointing us to. Isaiah knew that this was coming. He must have. Just looking at the words that he writes down, 
he knows that someone is coming to pay for the great problem of sin. And Isaiah knows the conflict that is there. That there is no one who is so infinite that can pay for the infinite problem of sin except for God himself. And I wonder if Isaiah remembers the words of Abraham. God will provide the sacrifice. And if those words echoed in his mind as he looked at all this. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to see and know and understand. We have the full story, Lord. It's right here in front of us. And still there's so much we have to learn. Heavenly Father, teach us. Bring us to that place on our knees that we can understand. That we get the glimpse of how great Jesus is. Lord Jesus, how amazing you are. That you come to earth to be just a human and at the same time still be so much more. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you and we honor you. And we thank you for this day, a day to remember mothers and a day to remember Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Amen.